Great to see you in the house today. And hey, before we get started, I just want to say one more time how thankful I am for our kids team and student team for the great job they did this week with Adventure Week and Cross the Creek. Over 1,200 people on campus this week. Uh, over $5,000 raised for kids in Harlem this week. Uh, hundreds of decisions. I mean, just incredible. Can we thank God one more time for them? Just a great, great, great time together. Now, we are in our series called I Choose Us. And over this uh, last several weeks, we've been looking at Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as kind of a roadmap for what healthy relationships look like. So I want to put that up on the screen. And uh, I want us just to read this out loud uh, together. Can we do that? Nice and strong. Here we go. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, and self-control. All right, very good. This is the work that the Spirit of God does in us. When we give our life to Christ, when we're walking in the Spirit, He's producing these things in us. So this is a work of the Spirit of God but we also have to cooperate with the Spirit of God, right? Uh, the Spirit of God is, is prompting you to be loving, but I have to choose to be loving. He may be prompting you to, to work toward peace, but I have to choose to cooperate and walk in the Spirit and choose peace, see? Every one of these is a work of the Spirit of God, but also a challenge for us to choose to do it uh, in our day-to-day -day life. And so, that's why the title, I Choose Us, I'm choosing these things, and that's what makes our relationship healthy. And so today, I want to focus in on one word, one character quality in this list, and that is kindness, to choose kindness. Let me ask you something. If, uh, if I were to ask the people around you, would they say that you were a kind person? Like if I went to your office and I said, tell me the kindest person you know in this office, would your name be mentioned? Or you, I talk to your neighbors, who's the kindest person on this block? Would they say, oh yeah, so-and-so, they're definitely the kindest person. Are you known for your kindness? So it's something to think about. I was uh, studying this week and I came across this one town, Gilbert, Arizona. I don't know if you're familiar with Gilbert, Arizona. It's a suburb of Phoenix. And Gilbert, Arizona did, a, did an initiative back in 2017. They called it the Kindness Initiative or the Kindness Campaign. And they really encouraged people to do random acts of kindness and then post about it on their city website. And it became so popular, people enjoyed it so much that they just kept, people kept doing it. Long after the end of the campaign, people just kept posting their random acts of kindness. And just recently, the city council of Gilbert made it official that their new nickname, wait for it, Kindness USA, right? Who doesn't want to live in Kindness USA, right? What a great, what a great marketing name, right? Kindness USA. But what they're really saying is we want to be known for our kindness. Now listen, that's what God wants from you. That's what he wants from me. He wants us to be known for our kindness. In fact, Philippians 4, 5 says your kindness should be known to all. Your kindness should be known to everybody. Now, why is kindness so important? You might think, well, that's kind of a lame topic. Actually, this is a really important topic today. Hopefully, by the end of this message, you'll understand how important it really is. 
Why is kindness so important? Well, one reason is that kindness is an expression of God's character. God is kind. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, it says, I am the Lord who exercises kindness. One of the qualities of God, one of the character qualities of God is kindness. And God shows us his kindness in lots of ways. He gives us kindness because the sun comes out, right? And kindness that crops are produced on the earth and rain comes in the heat of summer. You know, that's kindness of God. He shows us kindness in his compassion and his love for us and that, that we cry out to him and he hears us. That's God's kindness. And certainly his kindness is shown to us in Jesus and Jesus coming to us. So God expresses his kindness to us. So it's, it's, a, it's a part of God's character. It's an expression of God's character. But listen, as followers of Jesus, it is a part of our calling. We are called to be kind. We're called to reflect the kindness of God. I mean, after all, think about it. If we have received the kindness of God, then doesn't it make sense that we should be the ones to most dramatically express the kindness of God to the people around us? Christians should be the kindest people on the planet because we have received the kindness of God. Unfortunately, we don't have that reputation. Talk to people outside these walls and they will not use kindness as a description of most Christians. Harsh, maybe, judgmental, often, but not kind. Now, listen, I, I think that we all have some work to do when it comes to kindness. I mean, just even our own home, right? In our own house, we have work to do in just being kind in our tone, kind in our expression, kind in our actions. And certainly when it comes to representing Jesus in our marketplace, in our school, in the places that we live, we have work to do in expressing kindness. We live in a very hateful, dark, divided world that if you're not like me, I'm against you. And, and that's when kindness comes out as something radically different, something counter-cultural. And I think now more than ever, we need a resurgence of kindness, a resurgence of kindness in our homes and all around us. That's why Ephesians 4.32 simply says, be kind to one another. Now you may say, well, Craig, okay, I get it that we, we need to be kind. I can't argue with that, but what do you mean exactly by kindness? I mean, can you, can you dial that in a little bit for me? What do you exactly mean by kindness? Okay, so this may be a good time for a definition. The word kindness used in Galatians 5 is the word Christus, which simply means to be helpful. It means to be helpful or well-fitted for the moment or to be useful. So let's, let's put a kindness definition up on the screen. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I want you to keep it in front of you this week. Because I'm going to be challenging you in this area of kindness. And I want you to keep the definition in front of you. So here, here's the definition. Kindness is a thoughtful act of service that is often unexpected and unwarranted. So let's kind of break this apart for a minute. Number one, it is thoughtful. You can't be kind without being aware and thoughtful of the needs around you, 
all right? It starts with being aware of somebody's need or somebody's hurt or somebody's pain or somebody's situation, and you're aware of it. You're thoughtful about that person. You ever know somebody that's just thoughtful about other people? You know, I'm married to a woman like that. She's like, did you know that so-and-so is really having a hard time? We need to go take some bread over there. Or did you know so-and-so, they're really struggling with this situation. We need to take care of that. And, and honestly, I, I, I'm going, whoa, that just doesn't come into my mind. And I'm so glad that God gave her to me because she is so thoughtful and she helps me to be more thoughtful and challenges me to be that way. But that's where kindness begins. It begins with thoughtfulness. But it doesn't stop with thoughtfulness. It moves into action. It is an act of service. Kindness, you're actually doing something. That once you think about that person, you're actually doing something to serve them, to help them, to meet a need. You're taking a sonic drink because they're having a hard time, right? Or you're helping them uh, with that project in their, in their backyard. Or you are dropping off a meal because they suffered a loss. You're doing something for them. It's a helpful servicing act. And lastly, it says it's unexpected and unwarranted. In other words, it's not like I expect you to have this meal here at this time. I expect you to do that. No, it's not duty. It's not obligation. It is just out of compassion that you are thoughtful about this person. God brings them to your mind. Holy Spirit saying, here's an opportunity to express kindness. And you go out of your way to do an act that serves them, not because you have to, not because they expect it, but because the Spirit of God has prompted you to do it. That's what kindness is. And we need more and more kindness. Kindness is different than being nice. Nice is being polite. Nice is man, minding your manners, right? But kindness is active. Kindness is, is seeking out ways to serve and to benefit other people. And so listen, I knew I was going to do a talk on kindness today, and I thought, well, I need to define what kindness is, so I've done that. I need to show you some verses that tells us we should be kind, and I've done that, and I thought, okay, but that's not really going to motivate you to be kind this week, right? Let's face it, I mean, a little definition, a couple of verses is not going to motivate you to live differently this week. What you really need is not a definition what you really need is not a couple of verses. What you, need to need, what you really need is to see kindness in action. And so I want you to take your Bible and want you to open it up with me to Luke 19. Luke 19 is where we're going to land today. And I want to show you kindness in action. Listen, you can't find someone that embodies kindness more than Jesus. I was reading an article this week about, you know, the kindest people in history. And they picked out Abraham Lincoln and Mother Teresa and, you know, all those people like that. They didn't even mention Jesus. But yet Jesus is the embodiment of kindness. He was God in the flesh, the God who was kind in the flesh. So the very purpose for his coming was to show us kindness. And, and you can't read the Gospels without running into Jesus showing kindness to so many different people that were in need and so many people that were ostracized from the religious group at the time. What was unique about Jesus, what caused people to gravitate to him, what people, why people wanted to be around him was because of his kindness. But I want us to look at one encounter of kindness that I think particularly helps us uh, and motivates us to be kind this week. And that is the encounter of Jesus and a man named Zacchaeus. Okay, so let's look at it. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. Amen? And he entered Jericho and was passing through. 
And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Now stop right here for just a minute. Let me just kind of set the context for you. Jesus is in his last uh, two weeks, let's say, of his life. I mean, just the last few days of his life. He is headed toward Jerusalem where he will die. He knows this is his last time to ever go into Jerusalem, his last time to ever ascend from Jericho, that 15-mile uphill climb over the crest of the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. This is the last time. So his mind is heavy, and he's thinking about what is waiting for him there. And, and then this is the last time he's going to go through here and, and what's ahead, and he knows it. And I can just imagine, if that was you, can you imagine what your thoughts would be like, how, how focused you would be, how heavy-hearted you would be? Add to that the fact that Jesus was wildly popular at this point. He's just raised Lazarus from the dead. Crowds of people are pressing in all around him. He can't go anywhere where he's just not suffocated by the crowds. And so here is Jesus. He's going through Jericho. He's going to turn and make that uphill climb. People are all over him, pressing him, wanting him, wanting to touch him, wanting to see him, wanting to see a miracle that he might do. And in the midst of all that... He's going to have an encounter. Now, now picture here is Jesus coming through Jericho. He's not really planning to stay. It doesn't seem like. It says he's passing through. Now, the camera pans over to another character here. and This man is named Zacchaeus. We don't know a whole lot other than what the, this passage tells us about him. We know that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In fact, he was a chief tax collector. He ran the tax collecting office in Jericho. He was a very powerful man. He was a very wealthy man. As you know, tax collectors were normally Jewish people, Jewish men who were uh, working for the Roman occupying force and they were given the power of Rome to go and extract taxes from their own people. And so what, the way they got paid is that they would use that force to extract exorbitant taxes from Rome and then whatever they wanted on top of that, they could get for themselves. So they were lining their pockets with the hard work and, and exorbitant taxes that, that were laid on their own people. And so because of that, tax collectors were very wealthy, they were very rich, and certainly that was the case here for Zacchaeus, but they were also very hated and they were very despised. Like, man, I can't believe you're doing this to us, right? That was the attitude. So they were really, really hated and despised people. And here is Zacchaeus, he's a chief guy. He's running the office. He's super wealthy. He's loaded. I mean, Zacchaeus is living in the biggest house in town. He's uh, wearing the nicest clothes in town. He's got the best rings on his hand. He's driving the latest model chariot. All right, the guy's loaded, right? But people hate him. They despise him. He's everything they think is wrong with their country. It's guys like you that are tearing our nation apart, is what they would say. They despised him. And so here, what you have in this chapter is you have, here's Jesus, two men that couldn't be more different, right? Jesus, the son of God, Zacchaeus, the worst of the worst. And here they are, they're coming together and they're going to have an intersection in a moment of time. 
And Zacchaeus' life is going to be dramatically changed by one act of kindness. And Jesus is going to show us in this story how to be kind to others and the impact that your kindness may have. All right? So if you're taking notes, I want to give you a couple things to write down. Here's the first thing I want you to jot down. Uh, Kindness looks up. Kindness looks up. Everybody say that out loud. Kindness looks up. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All right, Jesus got all of the reasons why he was not going to stop. He was passing through. He knows what's ahead of him. He's got all these crowds around him. Every reason in the world for him to look the other way, to say, I don't have time for this. I got other things to do. I got other situations ahead of me. But he stops and he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus and he calls him by name. Now, I don't know how Jesus knew him. Maybe he's been through there multiple times. People say, oh, yeah, that's the dude right over there, man. I mean, Jesus has been through Jericho multiple, multiple times, right? Who knows? Somebody said, yeah, that's, that's Zacchaeus. He's the worst of the worst, man. Can you believe he does that to us? Can you believe what kind of guy he is? And Jesus probably has seen him multiple times. But he recognizes him. And Jesus looked up and he called him by name. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The first step toward kindness is to look up. To look up from all the things that you've got to do from your busy life and to notice the people around you. Listen, this has been really convicting for me. Can I just say, as your pastor, this has been really convicting for me this week because... And so many times I'm just like, okay, I got five minutes for this and I got 10 minutes for that and I I can get here, but I got to go there. And I just run with such short margins that I, I am sure I look right past opportunities to be kind. Listen, if you're always looking for what's next on your agenda, on your things to do, if you're, if you're always looking for what's next on your feed, or what next text you've got to respond to, what next email you've got to fire back to. If you're always looking for what's next, you can miss the need that's right in front of you. You could just miss it. And here's Jesus with all this pressure and all these demands and all these people, and yet in the midst of this crazy, hectic pace, he looks up and he sees this man who is clearly needy and lonely and searching. Let me just say it this way. Kindness is never too busy. Kindness is never too busy. You know, it's interesting. Anytime you see Jesus expressing kindness in the Bible, and there are many, many examples that you could give of Jesus expressing kindness. Maybe it's the woman caught in adultery that's sown at his feet, or maybe the man with the withering hand that he heals, or maybe the leper that he touches. Every one of these encounters that Jesus had, they were not on his agenda for the day. Like his secretary didn't say, okay, you have a crippled man at one o'clock and then you have, you know, uh, lepers at three o'clock and you've got a little margin here. You could get to Jairus' daughter for a healing at 2.30. None of it's on his agenda. All of it is just in the moment. And, and the opportunities you have for kindness are not gonna be on your agenda tomorrow morning, but they are in the moment when you're gassing up your car 
or when you're buzzing through the grocery store or when you're ordering your lunch, it's in these moments, if you will look up, that you notice people around you that are hurting. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit will tap you and say, hey, here's a chance for you to show kindness. I had a friend of mine this week I was talking to about this. He uh, he's, lives out of state and he was telling me that he was reading this book about following the Spirit's prompting right away, like in, in, the, in 10 seconds. Man, the Spirit prompts you to do something. Don't think about it. Don't debate it. Just do it. And so he was reading this book on the plane. And so he gets off the plane. He's standing at baggage claim right there at the carousel. And he noticed a woman that was there who was in a wheelchair right by the baggage claim. And she was an older lady. And all of a sudden he feels this prompting, hey, you need to help her out. And so he's like, I'm just reading this book. I got to do, do something. So he goes over to this lady and says, ma'am, uh, can I help you get your back? And she looked up at him and she said, why would you do that? And I thought that was an interesting response. In fact, I asked him, I said, How, what do you make of that response? He said, I don't know. I just got her bag and then I brought it back to her. I said, is this your bag? Yeah, it is. And then she looked at him and said, thank you very much. I think, I think our world doesn't see kindness very often. So they think there's an angle, right? They think there's something behind it. You want something from me now? You know, you're ob obligated, right? It's like the guy that runs up to you at the stop sign and cleans your windows and then demands, you know, five bucks or something like that. Is that what we're talking about here? No, no. He said, I just, just trying to show kindness. But it was in those moments that he was aware of what's going on. And, and are you aware of what's going on? Can you, can you look up? I, I just Not only do you have to look up, you also have to take initiative. Look at what Jesus does. He looks up and then he doesn't just go, wow, well, there's Zacchaeus, man. I wish somebody would help him out. He needs a lot of help, man. And then he keeps moving. No, he's not just thoughtful about him. He looks up, he sees him and he takes initiative. He says, hey, Zach, come on down here, man. Zach, I'm coming to your place. Come on, Zach. I mean, calls him my name in front of everybody. I'm going to hang out with you today. He took initiative. So when you see a need, you need, like my friend, you've got to take initiative and act on it in the moment. I read this week about a guy in, in Toledo, Ohio, that just this week, I mean, this is news that happened earlier this last week. Uh, he just noticed some yards in his neighborhood that were not mowed yet. And so he just got his mower out and just kind of went from yard to yard, just kind of mowing people's yards. You know, and, and he really wasn't, he wasn't asking for donations. He wasn't wearing some political statement on his t-shirt. He wasn't looking for notoriety. In fact, it was one of the neighbors that reported it to the newspaper that actually caught the story and put it on their website is how I know about it. But this guy just said, look, I'm just looking to show a little kindness to the people around me. Are you taking initiative like that? Listen, if you want to show kindness, you have to look up. Jesus looked up. Hey, look up from your phone. Look up from your to-do list. Look up from your emails. Look up from your texts. And look around you. And let the Spirit of God prompt you on people that need kindness. It's not gonna be on your agenda for the day. If you remember anything from this message that I've given you today, I want you to remember the words, look up. 
fact, turn to the person next to you and say, look up. Tell them right now. All right, look up. I mean, write it on your, on your, with an eraser marker on your mirror. Look up. All right, put it on a sticky note and put it in your car. Look up. Uh, put it somewhere that will remind you. Put it on your phone. Look up. I mean, just, just think about it, man. If this week, every one of us just chose to look up and be aware of what is happening around us and looking for opportunities to show kindness, I guarantee you God will give you opportunities to show kindness. Kindness begins with looking up. But I also want you to write this down. Not only does kindness begin with looking up, but kindness has its critics. Look at verse 7. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. I mean, all these people around him are saying, I mean, they're like, I mean, you can hear the the, the air being sucked out of the room, you know, because they're like, him, right? He's going to his house? Anybody but his house, right? Because we hate this guy. He's he's what's wrong with our country. He's he's ripped us off. And and they have every reason to believe that. And all the stuff that he did bad was true. He had done all these bad things. He had probably taken so much of their money that, 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 that caused them to just live hand to mouth. He may have even threatened to put some of them in prison if they didn't give him their money. And here he is living in, a, in luxury while they're still in poverty. I mean, no, Jesus, we've got to draw the line somewhere, man. You don't show kindness to him. Can't do that. Critics, you show kindness to people and you'll run into them. Sometimes the critics are around you. They'll say things like, well, you shouldn't reach out to that person or you shouldn't reach out to those kind of people. They're the problem. You shouldn't be kind to them. They'll take advantage of you. What will other people think? Critics are always quick to categorize, criticize, demonize, and ostracize. Haven't changed. But I want you to know this. Jesus never allowed the critics to keep him from showing kindness. They always responded, oh, you can't do that. Think about when Jesus uh, threw a big party for all of Matthew's tax collecting buddies and the religious guys go, you can't hang out with these kinds of people. The critics are always quick to, to criticize kindness but it never stopped Jesus. But listen, it's one thing to think about the critics outside of us, but did you know that there's actually a critic in here? There's an inner critic in all of us. And sometimes the Holy Spirit may be saying, hey, you need to show kindness to this person. You need to show love to this person. And even in your own heart, you're like, oh, I don't know that I wanna do that. <laughs> I don't know, Lord, I, I, I don't think I can do that. I mean, what, what if they, they're not going to care about that. They're not going to receive that or they'll just take advantage of me or man, I'm going to get into that. And then they're going to suck me dry like a leech, you know, and then move on to somebody else. And I just can't do it. Here's all the reasons why I can't, I'm too busy. I don't know how uh, somebody else could do it. We have all these reasons why we can't show kindness. The spirit of God is saying, show kindness, show kindness, show kindness. And we're arguing with him, with our inner critic. But here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes showing kindness is not for that person. Are you with me? Sometimes showing kindness is for me. 
Because how in the world can I grow into the likeness of Jesus if I'm not learning to override my inner critic and start acting like Jesus? Are you with me? So are you getting now why kindness is so important? Here's Jesus. He looks up and he, he takes initiative to this guy that was so despised, so hated. And he runs right into the critics. But I want you to notice this last thing. Kindness is irresistible. It's irresistible. Look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay them back four times as much. Zach, Zach's life was changed. I mean, just in this moment, Jesus seeing him, acknowledging him as a person, calling him down, offering to give him his time and his friendship and, and, and to have conversation with him. In that moment, Zacchaeus was truly repentant. In this one verse, Zacchaeus stands in contrast to the rich young ruler in the previous chapter who was very religious and had everything together but would not follow Jesus because he couldn't let go of his money. And now in contrast to him is, is this rotten scoundrel guy that, that has ripped all these people off as the worst of the worst. But yet when he meets Jesus, his repentance is evidence by his willingness to let go of these things that he had clung to for so long. And he said, Lord, I, I'll give half of my money to the poor. Lord, I'll, I'll repay four times the people that I've ripped off. That's a true sign of repentance. Listen, people are not drawn to Jesus by your criticism. People are not drawn to Jesus by you venting on Twitter or your indifference or your disgust. But however, if you wrap the gospel in kindness, it becomes very attractive. I read an article this week that I just want to read you just a little excerpt from. It says, uh, Rosaria Butterfield says that as a non-Christian, her impression of evangelical Christians was that they were poor thinkers, judgmental, scornful, and afraid of diversity. After publishing a critique of an evangelical Christian group in her local newspaper, she received an enormous volume of polarized responses. Placing an empty box at each corner of her desk, she sorted hate mail into one and fan mail into the other. Then she received a two-page response from a local pastor. She said, it was a kind and inquiring letter. It had a warmth and civility to it in addition to its probing questions. She couldn't figure out which box to put the letter in, so it sat on her desk for seven days. It was the kindest letter of opposition that I had ever received. Its tone demonstrated that the writer wasn't against her. Eventually, she contacted the pastor, became friends with him and his wife, and they talked with, she said, they talked with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. Their friendship was an important part of her journey to faith in Jesus. See, kindness melts a hard heart. 
Kindness is what welcomes a wayward person home. And I want you to notice what Jesus says here in verse 9. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told them, because he too is a son of Abraham. Notice he's, he's talking to the Jewish crowd. And he's going, this guy that you hate so much, he's a son of Abraham like you're a son of Abraham. I mean, we're all, we're all Jewish people together. And you, you've kind of painted him into this dehumanized creature, this monster, that, but he's a human like we are. He's a son of Abraham too. And I think this is really important, and I want to I really drive home this distinction. Jesus had a way, and I love this about him, he had a way of not affirming a person's behavior. Just not affirming Zacchaeus' criminal activity, right? In fact, he's, he's coming to, to face it and, and repent from it. Jesus had a way of not affirming a person's behavior, but... He did affirm a person's value that they're made in the image of God and they're image bearers that desperately need the gospel. And, and listen, somehow we got to get to that place, right? We're not affirming a person's behavior that's sinful. No, we're not going to affirm that. But we are affirming that person matters to God. And this is why Jesus came. In fact, he follows that phrase up with the, with the statement, I came to seek and to save the people that are lost like this. I pray that that would be our heart too. That we could see, yes, we see the sin. Yeah, we see it. It's right there, hard to miss. But there's a person in there that matters to God that is not beyond the grace of God. Not beyond the grace of God. But maybe they need someone that represents Jesus to be kind to them and help them get there. Help them get there. I want you to notice Titus 3. Verses four and five, let me just put this up here. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You notice that? He says the kindness of God. He's speaking about Jesus, man. He's the kindness of God. When the kindness of God showed up, man, he saved us who were enemies of God, and we were and sinful and rebellious and hostile, man. He saved us by the washing and renewing of the Spirit of God that changes on the inside, not because we did a lot of religious stuff. And that kindness of God that saved you is the kindness of God that can save your neighbor, is the kindness of God that can save your coworker, the kindness of God that can save your kids' friends. But we need to express that kindness. To cloak the gospel, the kindness of God in our own personal kindness toward them. Maybe kindness is what's missing. Hey, maybe it's missing in your home. Maybe just your tone needs to be kinder toward each other. Maybe the words you say, kind. Maybe that's what's missing in our church, that we're kind to each other. We need to be kinder to each other. Maybe it's what's missing of our message to the world that we have received the kindness of God and it's still available to you too. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute?
You may be here today and you say, Craig, I, I don't know that I have received the kindness of God. I don't know that I have ever experienced this kindness that washes me on the inside and makes me clean. But that is the gospel. That in our sin and in our waywardness and our fallenness and our rebellion against God, that God showed us kindness by sending Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus gave the greatest display of kindness by offering him his own self in our place. That's how much he loves you. And he died for your sin and he rose again the third day and he offers you forgiveness and cleansing and renewal. All that's God's kindness. If you will turn to him, if you will acknowledge your sin and repent from it and turn to Christ, he can make all things new in you. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Maybe you're here and you say, that's what I need. I need Christ, kindness to be poured into my life. I I want to be washed clean. I want to be new. I want Jesus to change me on the inside. Everybody's head bowed. If you're here today and you say, that's me, that's what I need. The spirit of God's convicting me. This is you, this is you. Then I want you just simply to lift up your hand. I'm not going to call you out, but I'll see your hand. And I'll pray for you that God would, just change you and meet you right where you are. I thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Lift up your hand. Nice high so I can see it. Lift it up. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Pastor, all right. Thank you. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ in my life. I need to be changed. I need to be clean on the inside. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be right with God. Lift it up. Lift it up. Anybody else? Okay put your hand down now. Just right where you are, just pray this prayer with me. Lord, I acknowledge my sin before you. I am a sinful person and I have gone my own way and I've rebelled against you. But today I'm turning from that. I'm repenting of that, Lord. And Jesus, I'm placing my trust in you. I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose again. And I believe only you can wash me clean. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. And Lord, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Lord, help me to be a mirror of your kindness to the people around me. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for your word today, how relevant it is, how needed it is in my own life and in all of our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be people that look up this week. I pray that we would be mirrors that reflect your kindness and that people will be drawn to Jesus by the way we speak to them and treat them. Lord, thank you for the kindness that you've shown us that we did not deserve and do not deserve. And Lord, I pray that... um, 
that your church would be a radiant light in this dark world that pushes forward the kindness of God revealed in the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We worship you and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.